0: I think the relationship part has helped the coaching because he knows me so much better than a coach knows me.
1: Olympic Channel Podcast. That was Olympic champion Paul Volta Katerina Stefanidi. I'm Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel Podcast. We find the very best people to talk about the biggest Olympic talking points every single week in order to inspire and motivate. If you love the Olympics, then you should subscribe right now, wherever you find your podcasts.
0: Olympic Channel podcast.
1: Katerina Stefanidi of Greece wanted to be an Olympic champion pole vaulter from an early age, but she fell out of love with the sport as a teenager. It wasn't until she actually fell in love with another person that her career went from good to all time great. She married Mitchell Creer in 2015 and the next year she was Olympic champion. I met up with the pair in London to get a deeper understanding of how their relationship works.
0: Olympic Channel Podcast.
1: Katerina, Mitchell, thank you very much for coming along in grey old London. It's, It's a rainy day. Anyway, so let's go to the very, very first time that you took a pole vault. Can you remember that very first time that you were given that, or is that has that just been a permanent fixture in your in your life?
0: You mean like ever, ever? Yes. Um, very, very. First. Yeah. So I remember watching the 2000 Olympics, but I cannot tell you if I was watching the men or the women. Uh, and at the time, I had I was doing track a little bit already. We were doing I was doing mostly sprinting and long jumping, and that was the first uh, year that the Olympics or the women's football was in the Olympics too. So it was like one of those weird moments where my dad had decided that that year I needed to become more serious. 2000, I was 10 years old, by the way. Let me me, say that. Yeah. Yeah. And we were just watching it and my dad said, oh, this is what you should try. You're good at gymnastics. You're fast. We should go and try this. I, I just cannot remember if it was men or women's polo that we were watching at the time.
1: And then so the next Olympics coincidentally was in Greece, in Athens. So do you remember anything about that? I guess what's that mean? You're fourteen by that point, right?
0: Yeah, so I remember going and watching, uh, I remember having a bet with my coach at the time about who's gonna win and we both lost. But I guess my my athlete got silver medal, so I feel like I kind of won the bet still. <laughs> I mean it was fifteen years ago, so I don't remember too much about it. I was I had this like crazy hope that I I had jumped 414 at the time and my and the Olympic Center at the time was 430, so I was hoping that they would say, you know what, we have this 14-year-old that is just so close to the Olympic Center. It didn't happen, but it was it was a hope at the time.
1: <laughs> but I I mean you're laughing now, but as a 14-year-old, were you kind of like a bit angry, disappointed?
0: No, I mean I think it was a little bit unrealistic to want to like go in with 15 to 16 centimeters under the standard, but I was thinking, you know, maybe sometimes, cause I feel like sometimes for the home country, they give some lead here and there, um, but I don't know why I, I was hoping it would be me that they, <laughs> they pick, but um, no, it was more upsetting. I think that I realized at that point that I would never experience Olympic games while an athlete competing in my own country. I mean,
1: at that sort of time though, are you thinking, this is going to be a career i think that uh, this is what i'm going to do and i think i can make money out of it
0: at that time yes not so much about the money had i don't think it has ever motivated me which is i think a good and a bad thing maybe at in some cases um but i, I definitely was you know i'm gonna to go to the olympics i'm going to win the olympics and this is something i've said in other interviews but i remember many times crossing the road And saying, you know, you need to be careful because if a car hits you, how are you going to win the Olympics? Or how are you going to break the world record? So, I mean, irrational thoughts for a 14-year-old crossing the road. But, yeah, definitely at that point. I mean, it was four years and it was two or three years in a row at the point that I have broke the age group record, world record too. So, I mean, it has become this possible career in my mind for sure.
1: So, what was the point then that in your life where... It stops being just national and just doing it for yourself and becomes more that you're knowing that you're like totally elite.
0: I think that came years later because so Athens Olympics were 2004, 2005 I actually won the World Youth Championship and I was not even youth yet, I was too two years younger than everybody. So at that point, I was like, you know what? I haven't just jumped high, but I went to this big championship and competed well. Um, So I think that reinforced, you know, everything until that point. But then things went downhill from 2006, uh, which is why I moved to the U.S. and just needed a break and took some breaks from pole vaulting. And I will say that it took maybe until 2014 to start thinking about it as okay this is maybe something I can do by itself and I don't need to have you know my masters or PhD or schooling or just thinking about it more seriously as a career again
1: because I was going to ask about how difficult it was leaving Greece but it sounds like that it sounds like was no choice there you just kind of had to what was that how did how did that feel
0: it was hard at the time it was like one of those things that I wanted to leave for certain reasons and I didn't want to leave for other reasons Um, the day I landed in San Francisco and my parents had already been there and they came and picked me up and I was crying and wanted to go home and then they said just wait 30 minutes and then we drove into the Stanford campus and I was like well this is not so bad <laughs>
2: <just done>.
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah and I mean then I loved my my four years at Stanford but I think it was I hate to say this because many people, especially Greek people, take it as if if I had stayed in Greece, I wouldn't have become what I am now because something is wrong in Greece. But and I don't think that's the case. I think I wouldn't have, maybe I would have quit pole vaulting at 18 or 19 if I stayed in Greece. But I think it was more of a personality thing than what Greece had to offer. I think I moved to the U.S. and I think what the U.S. does very good is enjoy what you do. Um, I went into a team and even though I was still doing an individual sport, I was now part of a team that cared and that came and cheered and that I cared about the team and I wanted to perform for them. And I just went to practice and had fun again. And. At 18, 19, 19, my first year wasn't so great, 19, 20, 21, I was feeling like I was feeling when I was 12 and 13 again. And, you know, I passed through that, like, bad period, I think, that there was so much pressure, especially coming from such a small country, to, to perform and do well and continue to do well. So I think, in a way, it saved me to to move to the, and it's not just moving to the U.S., Going to a US college and competing for a US college, I think it's a very different environment than the very like um, military way I grew up training.
1: <laughs> for some people because it's so serious in America and it's all televised, well it's not all yeah. televised but it's, it does make it to the TV sometimes which doesn't really happen on that scale in, yeah. in Europe. Some people, you know, that, that freaks them out and that's scary, but I guess just because of the pressure for you, that, that was just a kind of relief, right? Is that-
0: yeah, and I mean, there was definitely pressure, especially because I was with a full athletic scholarship and I didn't perform the first year, so you know, it wasn't great coming you know, from the first year into the second year, but there was definitely a very different atmosphere in terms of performing and enjoying what you do, and I think it fit me better at the time, and I needed that.
1: So Katerina was enjoying a sport again, her career was about to take a giant leap. She met Mitchell Kreer in 2013 and two years later they were married.
0: There's a funny story about how we met. This, um, is,
1: this is the perfect opportunity. Yeah. Uh, Mitch we... was looking very uncomfortable here. <laughs> <yeah. laughs>
0: I'm fine. <laughs> um, we were at the Povod Summit, you know, like the big summit that uh, UCS Spirit uh, holds every year in Reno. And we've never met before. And I'm talking to Nick Hyson, who became my coach between 2013 and 2015. And he was Mitch's coach. And his wife was sitting there and my agent, Karen. and. Karen was explaining to them why I had to continue going to school because I needed a student visa to stay in the U.S. Uh, And Nick's wife, Colette, turned to Mitch, who I had not even been introduced to, and said, Mitch, why don't you marry her so that she can get a green card? (laughs) And that was the first interaction we had. And so,
1: who says romance isn't that? That's (laughs)
0: right. And then I moved to Phoenix and moved into his place, uh, but we didn't start dating for a couple of years. Yeah, a Couple of years yeah.
2: later.
1: Okay, yeah. so it was a slow. Yeah, yeah. It was a very, very fast start, and then a slower easing <laughs> into the. <laughs>
2: and the marriage didn't come until after the dating.
1: <laughs> so how was the day? Was the been like? Was Was everyone pole vaulting? Was there like a long jump sand? What What was the uh, situation? We
0: actually eloped because when we decided we got engaged and we wanted to get married quickly because the season was started because it was May Uh, and we started looking into where to get married and it was it needed all this crazy paperwork to get married in Greece and I didn't want to get married in the US and my whole family has to fly to the US and so we decided to elope and we went to San Diego for a competition (laughs) or maybe that weekend we didn't have a competition yeah I don't think so yeah Uh, and it was just us, and uh, is it is it called the priest?
2: Yeah, I think so. And his like helpers, and they would throw flowers out on the beach. Yeah. And, so it was nice because it was just the two of the us. The two of our us. Yeah. We didn't have to worry about other people, and yeah. two different countries would have been a disaster trying to organize that. <laughs> yeah.
1: So. But
0: then what we tried to avoid it ended up being worse because then we had to have a wedding party in Greece and a wedding party in the U.S. <laughs> so
1: well you had a special time yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's <laughs> important. how was your so a lot of things have happened there up to that, up to that point you've kind of had a bit of a low where you' you've kind of fallen out with the sport a little bit you've fallen back in love with it you fell in love with someone else as well so in 2016 did you feel like it was like a really special year as you headed into it or what how was your head heading into that year
0: well i think it's important to say what happened right before that in 2015 i I feel like my breakthrough year was 2014 with uh, the European medal and then in 2015 went well as well and then outdoor I had some injuries and it didn't go as expected and I went to Beijing for world championships and didn't make the final and we decided at the point that we wanted to move away from Phoenix that I was going to stop my studies it was perfect timing for my study because I had just finished my master's too and that we wanted to train indoor that for us was very important to have indoor and have consistent training without having to fight wind or rain or sun every day you know so we searched around the U.S. and anyway we ended up in Cleveland and now Mitch became my coach which was difficult at the beginning because the federation was against it my parents was against it Uh, I mean I and I think and You know, looking back at it now, I think maybe it helped us because we wanted to prove ourselves to everybody so much. Um, So we moved to Cleveland in the fall of 2015 and started training alone. But I think it was from the very beginning this process that we both trusted very much. I mean, 2016 started and my first competition, I tied my personal best. So after that, people stopped worrying about the coaching (laughs) so much. Uh, but even then, and even with the world indoor medal in 2016, I was still saying, I want to make the Olympic fa- final. Like, I don't think we were quite thinking about winning the Olympics. And it felt very she far wasn't. away. Okay, I always had yeah. a lot
2: more faith in her than she yeah. has. She has grown up respecting the sport so much that like coming from an American background where people just say I want to win the Olympics is so much different than her like she to me is by far the best pole vaulter in the world and still to this point after winning the Olympics and world championships she still has doubts and that would never happen from where I came if they do anything, they think they can win the Olympics. And for me, I knew she could do it. I watched her vault every day. I coached her, and I knew she was ready. And she didn't believe it. And really, that's a lot of what we had to work on is getting her to believe in herself.
1: Well, that's really interesting because yeah. uh, from the outside, it never looks like that. It always looks like a perfect route, you know. And that person gets that. You know, yeah. you, when you look at all the plot points that you just like casually like throwing around, yeah. like indoor world champion or whatever you know um, it seems like you're going that way but you don't feel like that in the moment then
0: I think it's It's a combination of things because I think even if you just look at 2016 we started here and then we jumped a little higher and a little higher and a little higher and what I say about this is the difference between this fake confidence that some athletes have that they can just tell themselves I'm the best in the world and two out of ten times it works and how I need this real confidence that is not just telling myself but I want to see it and the next meet I want to improve a little bit on it and then improve a little bit and I think this is what we did well. Um, I mean, even now, three years later, we, I am th- still having to work on this and finding the positives and rem- remembering that I did win.
1: <laughs> it's quite ridiculous. Yeah. in
0: fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Let's talk about that feeling of winning then for someone who has like these doubts and doesn't think that they can do it. And they've got this kind of intense situation. Someone saying you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And then suddenly poof, like you did it. How did that feel?
0: Um, I have pretty much zero memory of anything. Uh, this is what I remember. Um, I remember a point in the competition where Sandy said something to me, and for me at the point, Sandy was my biggest rival. About
1: Sandy Morris. Sandy
0: Morris, yeah. And she said something to me, and I said, I think I'm going to win just because of I, the feeling that she seemed to be having in the competition. Uh, and then after that, I remember... Uh, having to be in anti-doping forever. And then we came out at 3 AM and we were like, what is this clapping in the stadium? And Usain Bolt had a javelin in his hand, and there was maybe 30 volunteers on the sides of the javelin runway, and he just kept throwing the javelin. And we recently watched the movie. He saw movie, and he shows those videos at the end, and we were there. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean, uh, that's interesting. You, talk, you brought in Sandy there as well, because like she's your rival but yet you were speaking to her like i don't feel like you were saying that to put her off right you would th- no, well you yeah, never yeah. would do right? yeah
0: That's- and i think it was like a moment i remember exactly what was being said we were talking because the stadium wasn't full it was maybe 80 percent full and we were talking about that during the competition in the middle of the competition uh, yeah <laughs> and sandy said i just don't feel like i'm in the olympics and i thought to myself I definitely feel like I'm in the Olympics and I think that feeling makes a big difference and of course it depends on the athlete and I think Sandy's like me where she wants that feeling and she wants that pressure to perform versus maybe could have helped another athlete that doesn't want the pressure and that feeling. So I had this like idea from in the middle of the competition that I think I can win but it did come very close at the end.
2: <laughs> she actually had like a little injury coming in um, the last time in Ligue 1. And- London she was kind of tired and she didn't want to compete and Karen and I her agent drug her out to the track and she actually ended up hurting herself because she was kind of have a stubborn attitude like no Greek ever does and we went back to Ohio and we had about two or three weeks and she couldn't even walk and we didn't jump at all in between the two and we went there kind of blind and just knowing our preparation was good She's still fit but we haven't jumped in 3 weeks so it was so nerve-wracking that we just had to go with it and know what we knew and do what we had to do and by the end i was dead and i i just wanted to go to bed and it was so fast and i don't know
1: their lives had changed forever they returned to greece as heroes it really wasn't something they were expecting how was it going back to Greece then like how crazy did it go
0: crazy full crazy
2: (laughs) they were in like the jetway of the airport when we got back they got permission to take all the cameras into the jetway and we had like (laughs) fell asleep in the Paris Airport right before and looked terrible and we were supposed to wear certain clothes, and we were
0: not wearing we them. We were like, no. "Oh,
2: we'll just get out of the plane and go to the bathroom and change." And we walked off the plane, and the jetway was there. full of cameras, yeah. and
0: so yeah. oops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we almost missed a flight. We the gate. We were sitting right next to the gate, and the gate closed, and we had no idea because in Paris all the lines are so close to each other. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Oh my God!" And we went there, and they said, "Sorry, your your gate is closed." And we were like. No, like we need, like the flight is still here. And I think what saved us was the poles because they would have had to take the poles out of the plane. Uh,
1: finally, it was yeah, some exactly. use. Like yeah. bang, bang,
0: one yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they let us in and the couple behind us, they, the same thing happened to them and they didn't let them in. It's crazy, really? yeah. yeah.
1: So you literally pole vaulted onto yeah, the yeah. plane back to Greece. Love that, yeah. that's, uh, that's good. I am always really jealous about people going back to their home countries, but there are a few that I can't reveal, but I'm like Greece may or may not be one of them. <laughs> it always looks like absolute madness. Yeah. You <laughs> know,
0: what the worst was though, I still had competitions. We still had Diamond Leagues, I had the Diamond League final, and I think every other medalist in Greece was done for, you know, the near future at least. And You know, everybody was appearing on TV and here and there and people would call me and I would say, you know, I cannot do this because I have to go train still. And they would say, you can't even give us an hour. I was like, an hour? (laughs) The guy asked me for 10 minutes and I told him no. So there was definitely a lack of understanding and I think because I was the only one that still had to compete after you. Sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm the wrong guy to ask in yeah, those yeah. situations. <laughs> so I'm like, well, you yeah, know, can you not? Uh, but, yeah, no, no, exactly. I, I understand. People call you the best Greek female athlete yeah. of all time now. and You're pulling a, a, a like, no, 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 no me. Yeah. But it's true. That's on your Wikipedia page and people say it out yeah. loud. I mean, how proud does that make you feel?
0: Mm, it does. I mean, it's not some. I don't do it for that reason. I do it because I love pole vaulting. It is pretty crazy to hear that, but like I don't think that's what motivates me. I hope that that's what motivates younger girls to, to do track and field or any sport and try to be better than me.
1: How hurtful is it, though, when someone says, like, you know, you've... Uh, the- being away from Greece is you're not Greek and like that's the flip side of the coin isn't it? Like the extreme is someone saying you're the best Greek athlete of all time and then suddenly some people like criticize you for you know not sticking around or whatever.
0: You know that was a little bit of that but I think it was a bit it's tough because the journalists and the media will say you know she lives and trains in the U.S. but and I say the same thing too, but the truth is, we spend about six months in Greece and six months in the U.S. And the six months that we spend in Greece are actually the season, like the important part. You know, uh, the six months we spend in the U.S. A month and a half we're just sitting doing nothing. So I, I do train more in Greece, and it's hard because I blame it a little bit on the media in the way they presented it, of course. Uh, and I do, I do live in the U.S. for part of the part of the year, but I mean. It takes somebody who has some major issues to say, well, you're not Greek. Well, like at that point, I had spent more of my career in Greece than I had, than I had in the US. So I just can't take it seriously.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're never gonna please everyone, <laughs> basically. And there's always someone on the internet that wants to uh, to yeah. be critical. You'll find them. They always emerge from somewhere or other. Yeah,
0: and I think that the Greeks of abroad who are much more passionate about Greece than the, Greek, the Greeks of Greek? I think, I think they love that part that, you know, I had to leave Greece and I left and became successful and still go back. So I think there was a goods and bads that came with the fact that, you know, yeah.
1: So let's talk about right now. So uh, it, we're heading into it's, it, when it's a bit of a strange season because obviously the world championships are a little bit later than they would be usually. Um, how are you feeling ahead of the World Championships? Uh, what's the, the main aim? I think I know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, the World Championships is the main aim, of course. Uh, for me, it's a little exciting that it's so late because I always feel like we get to the very end of the season and I always say ah, I wish we had one or two or three more meets because I think now that I've got consistent at 485, I think that's when I can break through and have the higher jump. Uh, but until now, I will say with Doha being so far away, it has been a little bit of an issue of lack of motivation. Being, I mean, we started competing in May, that's six months before almost. So uh, I had said from the very beginning that the London Diamond League for me, it's the true beginning of the season. It's a rational time from Doha, almost two months, that now it starts mattering while you're jumping and you're, you're having to start to start building on things. And, and what Mitt says very many times, that uh, many times we win championships before we even go to the championship. And, and I think we definitely did in 2017 here in London. Uh, so I think it's a good time to start doing that now for Doha.
1: <laughs> With Tokyo 2020, it's a year to go, um, more or less. This podcast is coming out on the, the actual day. Um, as a coach, where should an athlete be a year to go to the Olympic Games? Is it something that you're trying to say, stop thinking about that, we've got all the things to concentrate on, or is it like a big, big goal that just can't be ignored?
2: No, I think you have to have it in mind for planning a season um, and for planning the prior seasons, but also you have to keep in mind the season you're in right now and understand that it's pretty holistic and you have to build everything equally and To a certain point and then next year it's going to kind of break down again and you just want to keep that breakdown as limited as possible so that you can build back up correctly Um, but to answer your question like to prepare for next season we will not do indoor season because the olympics is early and world champs is late it's a rush so that's one way we are preparing for it now um but I think you kind of have to look now, build the confidence and go and understand what you're looking forward to next year and kind of what's in the training plan, but don't go crazy with it.
1: Exactly. I mean, is, are you into visualization and stuff like that? Is that something that you do? Are you kind of like already thinking I'm about not
0: it? I'm in not it, into it very much, but he makes me do it. Uh-huh. Um, this was like one of the big fights at the beginning of working as a coach and athlete, because I studied psychology actually. And I performed a lot of that research and I understand very well how you can mess with statistics. And I do not believe that the people that had these studies mess with the statistics, but I also see how this research is done and it's not ideal always. So I think because of that it was harder for me to believe it. It's pesky
1: um, at the college education, Yeah, yeah. Coach, isn't it? Got just, a
2: just a pessimist child altogether.
1: <laughs> but it, it must be nice to experience that as kind of husband and wife and that kind of intensity. Obviously, it's got its back down periods, but it must be just so nice when you get to experience
0: that all together. It is. A, I mean, it has, it has been nice because it has been successful every year as well. I mean, I guess we had some bad years, some bad seasons. Okay, maybe this indoor season, I don't know. But, I mean, it has obviously been easier and nicer because they're successful. But I think for us, the the most important thing is, I think the relationship part has helped the coaching because he knows me so much better than a coach knows me so or would know me so he can see when he makes a decision into a meet how i react to that and whether you know maybe he should change his decision or keep it or have to convince me about so i think that has helped very much i think Uh,
2: also just the way that a relationship works that you kind of help each other become better it has worked in the same means like the things that we help each other with in the relationship are the same things we help each other with in athletics. So we already had those things worked out together, that's why we worked as a couple and it works well for athletics and I think that's why you see so many pole vault couples. I think it's, it's a tough sport, there's so much to it and I think it takes a very deep connection.
1: Well, let's put that deep connection to the test. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, let the, so the, uh, I don't like this game. This is g- this is, uh, I, I think you will like this game, but, uh, Mitch. Not so much sure of a cartoon. Kind of, you know. <laughs> uh, so uh, Aquarius as a star sign, yes. correct? So I've dug out what the internet, some i done very bad, quick <laughs> internet research with what Aquarius means. I don't believe in stars, I'm yeah. star signs at all. Mitch, I assume you do. Uh, K- K- Katharina, how are you for star signs? Did you read yours today? Horoscopes, etc. Do you like no, this? Well when I
0: was young, I used to.
1: Yeah. Uh huh. So it wasn't something that you read this morning, as. To, uh, no, no, no. She doesn't believe in
2: sports psychology, but she does.
0: I don't believe stars. in it.
1: <laughs> sure.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so. Okay, I've got like the the character traits. Sorry to any horoscope experts Say I literally went with the very first thing that came up in the search (laughs) engine. So, uh, true or false then, Mitch? Is she determined? True. Reasonable? False. (laughs) Innovative? (laughs) False. Wow. This one, I wasn't even sure, on my wife said, are you sure you want to ask that? Possessive.
2: True.
0: Possessive?
2: This is the coach speaking, not the husband. <laughs>
0: it's
1: a big
2: husband Yeah. It's a big asterisk. This is the nice part of the job. Yeah, you choose different hats, catch hat. don't worry about it.
1: Uh, disciplined? True. Sensible? True.
2: Is there somewhere in the middle? I'll give her true.
1: Yeah. <laughs> organized. True. Oh. That's there. Yeah. Well, it uh-huh. wasn't too bad. I think yeah, that's no, no, She's very,
2: hard. like, structured, detail, organized, but if it's not her way, it's very difficult to...
1: <laughs> to negotiate yes. the other way. Let's so see. sensible, mm. or...
0: But you control, the, you control those things and make them what yeah. like you want.
1: Well, that, but that's the, like, the secret of life is learning how to let go of those things yeah. that you can't control, but really controlling the things that there you can't you go. It. Yeah. But uh, the other thing that I've had, they have to slowly discover the beauty of their child within. These individuals just need a little faith and a lot of love and acceptance for who they are.
0: I need a lot of faith, though.
1: Anyway, well... I'm not sure what I was trying to achieve, there was probably <laughs> nothing, and uh, but I was interested, especially in the possessive, so the final thing that I just wanted to ask is, I'm, I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but I can't help but ask you, what who is your Greek god you would uh, compare yourself to? Well,
0: never ever has anybody asked me that. I was going to say, I don't think so. You know, that's funny that I say that, because as a kid I really liked... Uh, Hermes, yes, because he could fly, you know. But Fast. yeah, but now it's hard to not say like Zeus, you know, like the king of gods.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <I like laughs> she wants the control. Yeah,
1: fearful to clap down to so anyone messing about, yeah. and it's like you know, sort of like a pole vault. Ah, you yeah, it, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. More like a javeling, I guess, but, Yeah,
1: <laughs> I am so grateful for you, Corbio. I, I had such a nice time. Yeah, I hope thank you, you have you. too. And, uh, yeah, good luck with everything this year.
0: Thank you thank very you. much. Thank you very much. Olympic, Olympic Channel Podcast.
1: Big, big thanks to Katarina and to Mitch for their time. I've put their social media handles in the episode description. I am at Eddie Knowles with an I and an E if you want to follow me. And you should go and follow at Olympic Channel of course, as well. It is one year to go until Tokyo 2020 and skateboarding will become an Olympic discipline at Tokyo 2020 for the first time. And we had a podcast all about that with US skater, Deshaun Jordan. Here is a clip.
2: The Olympics, you know, in general, is just, it's just a big, it's a big opportunity for skateboarding to grow, you know? And I feel like as far as like women being able to get that spotlight too,
1: and it kind of been this equal thing, I think that's great. Links to that in the episode description as well. Plus, we have had a big live show from Tokyo. I've put a link in for all the info on that one too. Five star reviews on the podcast app are always welcome. Maybe put a little motivational quote in there from the podcast to get people inspired as well. That would be great. That is it for now though. See you soon.
0: Think like an Olympian.